The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Hey guys, this is Matt Seidel, and you're listening to Keeping It Strong Style. Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out in Barrio the Frost. From Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is the network where we can get it done. I'm a chiller. And let them have it Cause this is just an intro Keeping the strong style Six stars from the get-go, boy Yeah, from Tampa Bay to the Tokyo Dome This is Keeping It Strong Style With your hosts, Jeremy Donovan And the young boy, Joshua Smith And thank you for listening Welcome to Keeping It Strong Style The ace of podcasts on the Social Suplex Podcast Network Jeremy Donovan here with the young boy, Josh Smith on today's show, we will preview Destruction in Kobe and cover all its news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Please support our show by subscribing and following the Social Suplex Podcast Network or keeping it strong style on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating interview. You can also get all the network's podcasts over at socialsuplex.com. Check out our Pro Wrestling Tees store, prowrestlingtees.com slash socialsuplex. That's where you can get your official Keeping It Strong Style t-shirt. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider making a one-time or monthly donation by visiting socialsuplex.com slash donate and clicking on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong Style logo. This week's episode is brought to you by the NJPW EXT, the only browser extension for NJPWWorld.com. Frequently updated and features like dark mode, improved translations and layouts, custom and share plus synchronized viewing parties, and much, much more. It takes NJPW World to the next level. Visit njpwext.us today for details. Young boy, we uh, now live in a world where Vince McMahon does not own WWE. <laughs> what a what a strange opener. <laughs> I don't know. Was, this was not on this is not on the run sheet. I was not expecting to explore the Enochiaism <laughs> of WWE. Well, you know, every time you gotta mix it up from the, you know, the how you're doing to, you know, throwing out something random. Yeah, man. Um it it is a very, very strange 
an interesting um, time to be a fight fan as well as professional wrestling fan, combat sport enthusiast. Um, you know, the two largest um, industry leaders when it comes to mixed martial arts and professional wrestling are now merged under one banner and are essentially one company with two brand distinct branches. But, you know, and it's going to be hard for people to kind of wrap their minds around that because I mean, in terms of presentation, the UFC is the UFC and WWE is the WWE, but in terms of like the stock holding and, you know, the public perception or like, you know, the actuality of what it is, they are one company and they are not owned by a McMahon. And it's, uh, it's very, very interesting. Yeah. The official group, uh, TKO is the new, the new company name. So yeah, very interesting to see how things are all going to play out. And, you know, uh, I'm sure Vince is going to still be as head of creative. He's going to have a lot to do with what's going on the day to day stuff with WWE, but I mean, there are some people he, he will have to answer to as far as like business decisions are concerned. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's other podcasts that are going to be better at breaking down the nuances of the actual business side of things. But, you know, I've long held the the theory that I'm not sure Vince is long for this company because of the fact that he essentially doesn't have final say on things. Um, I imagine that you know, um, Ari Emanuel and the rest of the management team at TKO were probably going to give him the similar same treatment that they gave to Dana White, pretty much letting him run the company with, you know, his own autonomy. But there will be those moments where this guy tries to make a decision and he gets overruled and he's never experienced that since he was in his like early, you know, since he was in his late 20s, early 30s, he hasn't had to answer to anybody and, uh, you know, the one time that he did get told no, he exploded the board and basically, <laughs> you know, um, but we did see a situation not too long ago where uh, when the pandemic first started and Dana White was making all kinds of crazy claims and was saying he was going to run uh, shows out of like uh, Indian reservations and stuff like that, you know, uh, the, the management group at Endeavor had to step in and be like, yo, we're getting calls from like the <laughs> government. You can't do this. So I only imagine in scenarios like that, Vince will be told no. But what's going to happen when somebody tells Vince no? That's that's my question. And we don't know. Yeah, he's going to try and fire him and be like, uh, you, you, can't, <laughs> you can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, last bit of a WWE news, I guess. Uh, Royal Rumble is coming to uh, our our home here, Tampa. It's coming January. I'm assuming I'm going to be attending that. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'll go. It, it's the Royal Rumble. Like I love the fucking Royal Rumble. I don't even follow WWE like that. Obviously, I watch like the pay per views. But I mean, the Royal Rumble is like my favorite event, and it's in Tropicana. It's going to be here. You know, I'm going to go for sure. Um, so I'm looking forward to that, but, uh, you know, back to the, you know, TKO stuff. I just think it's really interesting that like, you know, we, the, the genesis of what MMA is kind of all derives from professional wrestling. And like the further back you look into the history of what MMA is, the more it becomes pro wrestling. And then the further back you look into the histories of pro wrestling, it's actually MMA and it's like all you know, intertwined and now suddenly like 
Carl Gotch's and and Frank Hackenschmidt's <laughs> pro wrestling is like combined with UFC. It's it's just fucking weird, you know. Anoki would be proud. <laughs> you know, we're all so close to the one year anniversary of his passing. What better way to honor him than to merge pro wrestling and MMA together? The, the wrong company is doing the Anoki <laughs> tribute show. Okay. If they want to bust out, you know, if they want to bust out the the octagon again and, you know, have some Jake Hager matches, then I'm all for it, you know, like like fire fire pro style. But, you know, it doesn't seem that that's the way we're going. But yeah. the company that could do a top notch <laughs> <laughs> January 1st, New Year's Eve, Tokyo Dome style show would be, you know, TKO. TKO. TKO is the company that should be honoring Anoki. You know, John Jones versus Roman Reigns. Yeah. Run it. (laughs) Run it. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, I guess enough. That's all the jokes I got. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Let's uh, talk about uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling and what's going on here. We're in the middle of the destruction tour. What is going on here? That's the question. Uh, so we have a uh, one road to show to talk about, and then we'll preview the big destruction in Kobe show coming this upcoming weekend from Kobe World Hall. Uh, some big matchups on that card should be a really great oh. show. Um, production note: MJ does PRs coming on that episode. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so nice. this is me letting you know. <laughs> All right, Discord Daddy on the air for us next week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, they have made our lives extremely easy because they're running a lot of Road to Destruction tour shows, but they're they're not televised, baby. <laughs> they're not televised, and it's making our lives a lot easier. Oh you know? man, one, just one one show. Oh man, well, nice. Let's talk about it. So we had, uh, and then um, uh, before we talk about it. Uh, MJ does PR did hit me up and I was like, Hey, will you, you want to do the show next week? And he was like, do I have to cover all these shows? And there was like five of them. And I'm like, nah, like that shit's not televised. <laughs> you always look at the new Japan world schedule, not the right. NJPW1972.com schedule. Cause they, they put everything on there. The house shows, you know, the, um, everything, everything goes on there. To be fair. I think he was looking at cage match, but mm. yeah. Yeah, everything goes on there too. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Go to the old. Oh, go. bro! Like when 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 I was first before, like when you were gone, and I was trying to ascertain what was going to make air and what wasn't. I was like, oh fuck! Like, <laughs> <laughs> there's so many shows. I was like, what are they going to actually air? And it's been like nothing. It's been great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that stretch. I mean, I kind of left at the, at the perfect timing because there was like two shows that weren't even really like. "Quote unquote New Japan shows like the Junior. Oh, they were real. <laughs> Me and Floyd, we covered the shit out of those shows. <laughs> well, uh, let's talk about this uh, Road to Destruction show. Uh, officially, night seven of the tour, third show uh, that aired in the tour. This was uh, September seventeenth from the Fukuoka Island City Forum. Had an attendance of one thousand two fifty six. Show opened up. We had Hiromu Takahashi defeating Yuto Nakashima, and man, like you I were saying, some empty seats. Yeah. I was thinking, should they start running smaller venues? <laughs> they you know? do some of those uh, buy one get one deals. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. 
this is your typical, you know, established guy versus young lion match. Like you mentioned last week, man, Uto is really uh, packing on that size. Bro, he's gotten bigger in like a week. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's the Chonko or what the deal is, but like they're beefing that boy up. He, um, this was one of his first like major tests as a young lion against a, a top notch single star in New Japan. Granted, it is a, uh, you know, the ace of the junior division, but still a very stiff test. The current reigning champion, I thought Nakashima looked pretty good. Um, he took a hellacious, um, suplex on the outside that I thought was stiff as fuck. Mm-hmm. Um, at one point he did get the upper hand and, uh, put, uh, Hiromu in the Boston crab. And when Hiromu almost made it to the ropes, he, he dragged him back. And then he did, I don't know what this variation is called, but like Samoa Joe does it a few others where, and I think even, um, at one point Okan was doing a version of this, but it's basically, it's not your, your, it's where you grab the thighs, right? It's like the, uh, the Tenzon style, uh, Boston Crab. That's a good. That's a good way to put it. The Tenzon style. He did a Tenzon style modification of the, the Boston Crab. If he's done that before, I don't recall it. It felt like that was him taking a small, unsung step as a young lion. You know, to add a, a little wrinkle to his game. You know, throughout time, these things happen. Guys get a little bit of a uh, a personalization for a move, and like only the real sickos like us notice it. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, he probably tends on maybe probably his like main like senpai in the dojo maybe, and that's kind of maybe a way to kind of honor him or kind of take a little bit from uh, Tenzon. Well, I noticed that when he put that on Hiromu, Hiromu got to the ropes immediately, so they were almost kind of like selling it like it was a pretty devastating thing. Obviously, uh, we did not get English commentary for this show. I did notice though that the the produce show from the. Um, the Blue Justice show that we covered last week did uh, get video on demand English uh, afterwards. I actually haven't watched. I'm not going to rewatch it. So I don't know <laughs> if it was Chris doing it or if it was Kevin. Um, I, I did reach out. I think it oh, was what? Kevin. Okay. Because I reached out to Chris about this show because I, I had some people in a group asking me about it or just asking in general. And he said that Kevin has recorded commentary for this show and it should be up shortly. So uh, and then I guess the rest of the tour moving forward is all expected to be live English. So that's good. But, um, you know, I don't know if the commentators, I said all that to say this. I don't know if the commentators picked up on that nuance because it was in Japanese and I don't speak Japanese. So I don't know if they made a big deal about it or not. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. <laughs> yeah. But uh, at the end of the day, Hiromu uh, did end up picking up the, the big win here. I don't even remember how he beat him. He I beat think him. he tapped him out for Boston Crab. Regular Boston, regular Crab. Boston Crab. Yeah. Uh, then after that, we had the great bash heel team, Togi Makabe and Tomioka Hanma. They defeated Oleg Bolton and Oscar Lube. So uh, Bolton back from his infection, back on action here. Yeah, I mean, nothing, nothing that, and you know what, this is probably going to be a repeated phrase throughout this night. Uh, Nothing that would have surprised you. Almost everything on this show was paint by numbers, road to, you know, uh, to the utmost extreme. It's kind right. of like what we've talked about before. Like, this was a road to road to show. This is the kind of show where I could see if we had, like, four of these in a row where people would be complaining, where we had those first few that were like, oh, they're doing something a little different. This is cool. And now we're back to the old just formulaic, Young Lions versus experienced guys, uh, 
few multi-man buildups, your your typical row two show. Yeah. I was reading uh to kind of help me along while watching this. Sometimes I like to look at reviewers. And the only person out there that I can find that reviews these shows like religiously is like Chris Vetter. Yeah, dude. ProWrestling.net. Dude, him, he's the only one. Besides that, nobody. <laughs> he's the only one. Nobody reviews Rotus. Like, on part of it's like I respect <laughs> him for it, but part of me is like, damn, bro, like you're the only one. <laughs> like, Wrestling Observer, they'll just put the results up. Like, they'll create a whole they article just and just copy and paste cage match onto the, <laughs> with they the results. results. And if they have a review, it's like, Hiromu looked good. <laughs> <laughs> Bolton's back. <laughs> but uh, I was reading his review and he was like, I don't know why the fuck they got these youngsters in there with great bash heel. How's this helping them? <laughs> <laughs> Normally I wouldn't bring up that I read his shit, but I read that. I thought it popped me a little bit. But um, uh, I one thing that did happen in this match, Hanma went to give a DDT to Oleg Bolton and the timing was off and Bolton just fucking spiked himself as hard as he could on his head like i was like bro how did he not break his neck <laughs> he seemed fine but uh i was a little nervous about that especially considering like the uh, the ironic nature of it all because that's a similar move to what decommissioned uh hanma you know mm-hmm. yeah but like oleg he's he's uh, almost like too like you know he's got like uh they call it happy feet you know he's like almost the timing's not quite there and he like was too enthusiastic and he just fucking murdered himself. Like, <laughs> other than that, the match was pretty unremarkable. Um, Toby Makabe ended up picking up the win with King Kong knee drop on Oscar Luebe, but uh, I was nervous about that uh, Bolton head drop. Yeah. Uh, and the, the only uh, piece of commentary note that I did catch here, I did hear uh, Milano mention World Tag League. So uh, it seems like a mm. uh, great bash heel will be uh, potentially one of the teams that will be in this year's World Tag League. They mentioned that in the backstage comments, and I think they're starting to gear up a lot of the World Tag League uh, teams. Um, possibly Oleg Bolton and Oscar Luebe could be a young lion team that takes all the losses. Yeah, that's true. If that's not the case, I would expect maybe hopefully down the road we start seeing them team up with like some senpais. But if you don't and you just see these guys continue to team, it's probably a strong bet that they're going to be in World Tag League together. Yeah. So after that, we had Toriyano and Yo teaming up with Hiroshi Tanahashi to defeat Risuke Gucci, Satoshi Kojima, and Tiger Mask. Nine minutes and two seconds. The most road to multi-man <laughs> undercard match that there ever was. Um, it is funny, again, World Tag League. Yano and, and Tanahashi are just suddenly starting to have their their tag team reunited right before december comes up so like clockwork i expect those guys to be in that tournament again and you know it it was fun the first time but it also it's very much a a place where you just know like unless they set some sort of big angle up during that tournament like tanahashi is kind of just on coast mode you know like i don't know what his tokyo dome looks like this year but whatever it is it's not going to be set up through him teaming all through December and November with Yano. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this is uh, time for Tanahashi to, to rest and rehab for a, a big match at the Dome. His hair looked good today, though. Yeah, it did. <laughs> well, I guess Sunday. Uh, but yeah, like you mentioned, 
really typical kind of shenanigan, haha. A lot of jokes with uh, getting Taguchi on the top rope. Um, they crotched him. They're constantly shaking it. You have the, the uh, Kevin Dunn zoom ins on Taguchi being uh, shook on the ropes. And it's like, oh man, what are we doing here? Butt stuff, groin stuff, and then. Dude, you know, the rips on Taguchi's gear. Yeah. What's. I don't know. Man. And then um, eventually Yano hits a double. Like. Basically, Tiger Mask was the legal man. Taguchi tried, or actually, I'm sorry, it was the other way around. Tiger Mask tried to kick Taguchi, he, or tried to kick Yano. He accidentally kicked Taguchi. Uh, in the midst of the chaos, uh, Yano pushed the referee away. He gave a double low blow to both baby faces, and then he rolled up Tiger Mask for the one, two, three. So, yeah, not much here. <laughs> it's a skit. <laughs> So uh, following that, we had the TMDK team of Bad Dude, Tito, Mikey Nichols, Shane Hayes, and Zack Sabre Jr. They defeated the Chaos team of Hiroki Goto, Kazuchika Okada, Tomohiro Ishii, and Yoshihashi. So also this is building up for the upcoming IWGP tag team title match with Nichols and Hayes versus Bishamon. I also think they're teasing a uh, Never Six Man potential challenge down the line um, with uh, Tito, Nichols, and Hayes maybe going against Okada, Ishii, and uh, Tanahashi. Seems like maybe something like that is the case. In either either way, it seems like uh, every time we see TMDK go up against uh, Chaos, they like, for whatever reason, to have Badu, Tito, and um, Okada work together. kind of reminds me of like when uh, Villain Enterprises years ago were mm. doing tours, and they were having Brody King kind of... Um, you know, pair off with Okada as well. So um, maybe there's something there, a little bit of breadcrumb trail for down the line. But uh, mm. I've noticed quite a few times they've had Okada and uh, Badu Tito work together. Yeah, didn't, didn't they have a singles match sometime last year? Like Battle in the Valley or something? I don't recall, but they might have. Yeah. But yeah, Badu Tito is awesome. I think he fits in to New Japan like a glove. I mean, he looks like he came right out of like the 1980s. Um, He's a long lost diner, uh, so he's been great on this tour. And everything between uh, you know Bishamon and Hayes and Nichols has been fun to watch as well. Saber and Ishii always have great chemistry, so this was a fun matchup. Good matchup. A little bit of a hot take here. I have not been very um, invested or enthused with most of the TMDK Bishamon stuff during this tour. That's not to say that the match itself isn't going to be good because it, it, it obviously is. But in terms of like the preview matches, they just really haven't got me too deep yet. Yeah, I mean, yeah, for them, it's just kind of like a typical kind of setup. I think I mean, we know they'll have a good match, but what they've been doing has kind of been a kind of typical stuff to build up their match. Team DK did pick up the win here in emphatic fashion because they laid out Goto and then they laid out... Uh, Yoshihashi. I don't know the names of all their finishers and, and uh, signature moves, but they hit some really big offensive, what looked like finishers on both guys. Yeah, they hit the, uh, the, the tank buster first, which is like the, the top rope, where they hold them up on the shoulder and the top rope, like the ET thing, where they catch them. And then I think the highway to, to hell, I think it's the other, their other move. They mentioned highway to hell in the backstage comments, so I, I just thought it was a 1998 SummerSlam reference. I didn't realize <laughs> that was the name of it. <laughs> One of their moves. <laughs> I just thought they were big fans of ACDC, you know. But uh, 
uh, yeah, they hit those big moves. They were pretty fucking awesome, and they picked up the win. And one thing is they've been picking up a majority of the wins over Bishamon, and either that's one of two things. It's either to make them look very strong in challenging because they're going to lose, or sometimes they do this in New Japan. They want to make a team, and they're making them look strong so that when they win, they look really strong. Yeah. And I am a little torn on it still at this point. Yeah, for right now, I'm still kind of leaning towards them winning just because they've already lost twice against Bishamon in the past. They've failed to win the tag titles twice. This is their, their third shot in, in recent time. So uh, I feel like it's time to kind of give them a shot. Yeah. Uh, so following that, we had the LIJ team of Bushi, Shingo, Takagi, Tetsuya Naito, and Yota Suji. Defeating the United Empire team of Callum Newman, Great Okan, Hanare, and Jeff Cobb. No Will Ospreay on the show. Um, he was busy on the same day wrestling Naomichi Marafuji over in Pro Wrestling Noah at Cork and Hall, so he couldn't be bothered to show up in Fukuoka. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, they kind of continued the feud between these guys. I thought this was one of the better matches of the show. Uh, Callum Newman continued to impress, even though there was a couple green moments. There was um, there was a moment where he went for a dragon suplex and on Yotsuji, and it was supposed to, it was obviously supposed to be a situation where he goes to give him the dragon, and Suji goes all the way over and lands on his feet. But like they didn't make it, he almost fell on his head. It was pretty scary. Yeah, but but um, he I thought he still was very impressive, very very high speed. I liked the. Uh, the chemistry between him and Suji. And, you know, we still continued to have interactions with Shingo and uh, Great Okan, which, you know, plays into their singles upcoming match. And there's this sort of underlying story where uh, Great Okan had offered a T-shirt from the United Empire to Shingo, was trying to get him to join the United Empire. Yeah. Yeah, then post match, yeah, he uh, he took the shirt from uh, Okan and he put it on. Makes people think he's joined the Empire. Okan's like so happy, he's laughing, he's all giddy, and then Chingo's like, "No," <laughs> rips the shirt. And o- <laughs> Okan was like, he was like sad at first, and he got pissed and attacked Chingo and had a little post match brawl. Yeah, I, I dove a little bit. I, I perused through the backstage comments, and I I love when we get the translations for the Japanese commentary because obviously. We don't speak Japanese, so I don't know what they're saying. But anytime I see the the actual like uh, translations, I always think like we're missing out for sure. Yeah. But they're like they're like uh, Okan will not stand for this disrespect. <laughs> disrespect. Like, I believe his be heart tolerated. is broken. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. And Okan was crying, and he's like, "I won't stand for this." <laughs> <laughs> well, it was even more funny is because like Lij won. And then Chinga puts a shirt on. It's like, why would he want to join the losers? <laughs> yeah, it didn't, it didn't make a lot of sense. But whatever. Um, the match was fine. You know, everyone worked well together. Um, there is the thing that's ongoing between Naito and Jeff Cobb. Naito continued to escalate the issue with him not having obtained a contract to defend. So we mentioned last week how he was bringing out a handwritten contract. Well, this week he upped the ante and brought out a, not a briefcase, but a replacement for the briefcase. It was basically like one of those taupe bags, like the recyclable taupe bags that you see for like, 
when you're like grocery shopping be, and stuff. <laughs> yeah, when you're grocery shopping, you're trying to be like uh, you know, environmentally minded. So you bring like the recyclable bag. Like he brought one of those and then just wrote in, you know, Japanese or kanji or whatever. Um, I don't know what it said, but essentially it, it probably denoted the match that's upcoming between him and Cobb. And that's his replacement for the briefcase is a taupe. <laughs> the tote bag. <laughs> a tote bag, yeah. Um, which was hilarious. And I saw in the backstage comments, he's like, yeah, I reached out to the IWGP. They have not commented yet or given me a, an, an answer back as to the legality of this letter <laughs> or this, uh, you know, carrying case. <laughs> Dude, Nighthill's a clown. <laughs> and, you know, like, Cobb's trying to clown him and do his pose and get under his skin, but, like, you know, Naito's still on the uh, Tranquilo grift, you know. We all know it's a grift, but he's still doing it. Yeah. He's unbothered. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So, uh, following that, we had the second match in the best of seven series between Strong Style and Team Nagata. And Strong Style picked up the win here, defeating Wato, Umino, and Nagata. Yeah, if you're cherry-picking, I'd say this is probably the only match of note that's worth actually checking out on the show. I thought it probably was the best match of the evening. Um, I, I thought it was, in my opinion, a few levels below the, the first match in the series. Because yeah. this kind of was, even though it was good, it was still a paint-by-numbers you know, six man tag team match. There what like for instance in the first match, we had that kind of prolonged story arc that revolved around Nagata. And I thought we were gonna get something akin to that here. But instead we kind of just got the a continuation of what we'd seen previously. It was, you know, very much Watto mostly interacting with Desperado and then, you know, the new generation musketeers facing off and then the third generation dads you know, going at it and that's fine, but there wasn't anything new. There wasn't any drama. It was kind of just, it is what it is. And I guess where the story really picked up is at the tail end, Nagata ended up getting uh, choked out by Suzuki while Wata was laid out with the pinche loco by Desperado and strong style picked up the one, two, three, but there wasn't, there wasn't like that deep drama that you could really sink your teeth into during the match. It, it was good. It was definitely a level above everything else that we'd seen on the show, but it was still fairly mid compared to what we saw in the first match. Yeah. I mean, this match was only 12 minutes, 37 seconds compared to like a 30 minute draw. And like you said, like this match, it was almost like they were kind of trying to build up like three singles matches. Cause like they kept those guys like so paired off. Throughout the mm. match, it was pretty much always Nagata, Suzuki, like you mentioned, and then Despi and Wato and um, Narita and Umino. They had a lot of great sequences between those guys. And so it really kind of kept those guys all kind of paired off. And it was kind of, like you mentioned, more of a traditional kind of row two six-man style matchup where it seems like they're trying to build something up, but they're actually in the middle of a program. So there wasn't a ton of heat here. There was a callback to the draw where Nagata did hit the exploder uh, onto Suzuki uh, but then eventually uh, tagged out to Watto, so he tagged out to Desperado, which then led to the closing stretch where uh, Despi was able to hit the uh, the pinche loco on Master Watto. I mean, there was more intensity. We had some pretty crazy strike exchanges between Nagata and uh, Suzuki, as well as there was a, a very lengthy one between Narita and Umino, and that was all 
you know, good and well, but like you mentioned, 12 minutes, there wasn't, you know, a singular story thread. It kind of just felt like a preview match, like you mentioned, for three singles matches, which is sort of what led to the series even being established in the first place. And I think it's a little early for them to be doing that type of match. I think it's better for them to have unique stories taking place within the overarching, you know, what's the point of doing a best of seven unless you're going to exploit it in that way. Right. Yeah. If they do go that way, this, this match in particular will kind of stand out as something that was unremarkable to a certain extent, but I haven't looked at the schedule. I don't even know if we're going to see all of the best of seven series. It feels like we're not. Maybe not. The, the finals is what at Rio Goku in, in October. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there yeah. might there might be some of those ma- these matches untelevised. Which yeah. in a situation like that, this should have been an untelevised like version of the match. And maybe this is that match, and it'll be like Goldberg's, uh, you know, his uh, undefeated streak. You come back on Wednesday or Thursday for Thunder, and they're like. He beat four more people this week. <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe it'll be like that. Like, right, it never yeah. happened. <laughs> the match is, the, the series is two to two. Like, wait, what? <laughs> we didn't see him. <laughs> so I don't know. Um, we did have a question, though. Yeah, from Reddit user Stolen Tombstone. It says, does, Great name. <laughs> does Strong Style need additional members to become a proper faction? Also, you mentioned last week that Strong Style plus G.O.D. are a part of Hauntai, but do you think they need to be? Why or why not? Uh, yeah, I mean, if they're going to be a faction, they probably shouldn't just be a trio. They probably need at least a member more. They need just four guys. Just four guys. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, they could definitely potentially get like another junior, so like Despy could have a partner to team up with. Um Another heavyweight. You could could consider them a faction if you really want to. I mean, I guess Stray Dog Army only had three members, and they're kind of a faction, but kind of (laughs) not. Does anybody remember them? (laughs) You know, I don't know. You know, we're not WWE, you know. I I, I get it. You know, the the New Day are three members. Mm. The Shield are three members, Mm. but, you know. In Japan, you need four. <laughs> um, and then as far as his question about Hontai, I mean, essentially, pretty much if you're a Bayface and you're, you're not in Bullet Club, you're, you're essentially Hontai, for the exception of, like, Chaos, which is kind of mixed with Hontai now. Dude, Hontai is not even really a Babyface. I mean, I understand traditionally it seems that way, but it's not even necessarily that you're a line Babyface. It just means you're unaffiliated with any actual... Um, faction is what that really means. Anybody that's not in a real faction is Hantai, you know? Right. Well, they're, they're essentially like the New Japan Army. So to speak. Right. Yeah. And, and I mean, the reason they say that is just because, like, yeah, they're part of New Japan as a whole and they're not affiliated with any of the major, you know, factions. So they're Hantai and that's what these guys are. Um, I mean, do you consider, like, for instance, Great Bash Heel? are the remnants of what used to be the top heel faction in new Japan, but they're not really a faction. It's just a tag team and they just kind of operate within Hantai. They're great bash heel, you know, that's what it is. Um, If hypothetically they establish in the kayfabe for all of us 
you know, not not in a head cannony way, but like in a real definitive like god is a faction we are a real thing or same thing with strong style then we can be like yeah they're a faction but as of now they're all hantai because that is just what it is it's a it's a universal um designation for anybody that's not in a real faction yeah i mean because part of the big thing for tamatanga when he was leaving bullet club was putting on the, the lion mark shirt shirt and kind of representing new japan so even sure. though they're up to like what five of them now, um, it's they're still kind of very, very much kind of representing like New Japan. Maybe they'll pull the trigger and make that a faction, but as of now, they're not really a faction. You know, um, a lot of people kind of forget. You know, Yuji uh, Nagata used to have like the Blue Justice Army. Seki-gun, that was a Sekigun. Yeah, that was a no. Well, Sekigun is Hantai. Okay, I heard. I heard Chris call. The team, the guys team, Seki Goon. Yeah, there's a there's there's it's not Seki Goon. I think it's Se- Seiji Goon or something like that. Mm. I don't know. I, I don't speak Japanese, but like the Blue Justice Army was an actual faction at one time, and now he's the only member that still remains. <laughs> one man army. <laughs> yeah, he represents the Blue Justice Army, but he's Hantai. Yeah, I think you can actually still filter on the website. To Blue Justice Army, and it's just like just just ends up being the guy. It's when just him, yeah. And it and it used to be him in um like Super Strong Machine, but that's it. <laughs> or in uh, Nakanishi, right? Nakanishi might have been in it. I can't recall. I know um Folly was in it, but who knows how much longer he's gonna have a job here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, moving on, <laughs> uh, main event: uh, Doki, Sonata, Taichi, and Taka of Just Five Guys defeated. House of Tortures, Dick Togo, Evil Show, and Yujiro Takahashi, 15 minutes and 55 seconds. This was, I don't know, it was, it was whatever. It, it fucking sucked. Yeah, I think it was, just people brawling and shit. <laughs> I think the big thing here is, was a pre match, they announced that um, Tai Chi's stipulation won the KOPW vote. Show got pissed, and that led to the, you know, the pre match attack that led into the bell ringing. Did you watch the um, Destruction in Kobe uh, press conference with Taichi and, and show? I didn't. I saw like the pictures and like, the clips, like the headlines or whatever from it. I tried to watch it because I wanted to be like a diligent podcast host and have all my like T's crossed and I's dotted and all that. And, yo, it was a fucking mess. Like they were doing like a live. Well, how do you get super chats? That's uh, through uh, Twitch, I think. Is it YouTube? Or Twitch, um, it's one of them. I think it might actually it might be YouTube. Actually, I don't know. Like I always hear podcasts doing that. Obviously, we need to figure that shit out. So we get paid. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> they were they were doing a thing where like only Taichi was in there, and he's trying to like talk. They they said there was like a thousand to like thirteen hundred live people there for the press conference, and he's trying to answer super chats. And I'm like, this is messy. This doesn't feel like a regular, you know, press conference. And then he's I don't know. He presented his thing and then show showed up late and, but it was like weird. The, the, um, the ring announcer was there and he was the one moderating it. And there was like long periods where they would just have dead air. And the thing went way too long. It was like 20 minutes. It only needed to be like four minutes max. And they didn't do a good job, like heating up the match or, or anything. And I was like, what the fuck? like, how did this, why did they even like put this on the right. website? They why did, why did it even happen? <laughs> yeah, they need to scrub this shit. Like, this is not good. 
Yeah, I saw I saw the pictures and read like the little article on uh, njpb1972.com. I was like, yeah, I don't need to watch this. <laughs> I just read. This. And there was no like live audience, so like show comes in performatively and tell, acting like you know I'm gonna do the ten minute match, and if if I go the full ten minutes, I win the title. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, those are the rules, and I, I'm going to stick by them. <laughs> Which was funny, but, um, you know, I don't know. This match had a lot of brawling, a lot of cheating, a lot of people getting hit with pipes and shit. It's is, it's kind of what you'd expect, which I guess was fine. The crowd, this was a good crowd in Fukuoka. Dude, they, were, they were, yeah. They yeah. were responding really well to everything. Even, like, some of the earlier matches, like, when, like, uh, I think it was... Like when Makabe's music hit, like somebody's music hit, and they were just like, "Oh, they like popped." I was like, <laughs> uh, "Good crowd." There again, this goes back to what I've said on earlier shows. For this feud, even though I'm not loving the matches, it's getting good reactions in the buildings, and that's kind of the case here. But um, you know, it was pretty chaotic. It was, I guess, palatable. Ultimately, at a certain point, like. Dick Togo was isolated in the ring, gets hit with a Michinoku driver. Sonata's legally hits him with a, a shining wizard and then hits him with the, the Mudo Moonsault for the one, two, three. Um, I, I'm just thinking if I'm Bullet Club, I don't ever put Dick Togo in as a legal man, especially if Sonata's <laughs> the other legal. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's a setup for failure, but yeah. whatever. I did think that Sonata showed a little bit more fire here in this match. He was really going after Evil, throwing him into the barricades, a, l- a little bit more uh, motivated here. Yeah, the crowd was also a lot more receptive to, to him than some of the other crowds. I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean things are turning around in terms of his title reign, but yeah, he was getting good reactions here. Um, I'm still perplexed as to why him and Ching or him and, uh, Tai Chi are not making every effort to get their belts back, but whatever. Uh, they did brawl post match and cut a big promo. The crowd was into it, but uh, you know, to me, watching this, it, everything about it just screams not main event program. Yeah, this is this is mid card stuff. Yeah, yeah, it feels like they're fighting over like the Never title or something. All of them. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, they have a question here from Les Commission 7252 says I've been rooting for Sonata for years and waited for him to finally get the main event spot. The problem right now is that he's boring to me as champ. Since the G1, he was overlooked at by Umino, Suji, and Narita. He loses his belt and doesn't show no aggression at all to get the belt back. Do you guys think this is how New Japan is booking Sonata as a weak character, or do you feel like he's doing this to himself? I, I really couldn't say. I mean, I'm not privy to the backstage, you know, um, conversations between Sonata and Ghetto and Dick Togo and the booking committee and, you know, the associate. So, (laughs) yeah, I don't know. I don't know who's, I don't know whose idea this all was. I think the deal tonight, I think it's a little bit of both. Like, I think like the booking, like they also, they want to make evil look strong because he's a challenger and he's probably not going to win. And so, but at the same time, probably you think you think evil's bro. Let's let's fix that. Evil's not winning. I'm just I don't know. I, I, I <laughs> <laughs> yes, there we go. Like the wrong person will give Gato an idea, and we're gonna end up with evil <laughs> evil versus Naito in Tokyo Dome. Listen, this is this is Ghetto. It's not Tony Khan. All right. <laughs> 
He's not that easily influenced. All right, let's, let's not get too twisted. Uh, but yeah, so evil's—he's gonna lose, and so they're also they're trying to make him a credible challenger. And Sonata's probably like, "Oh, I'm not getting pushed right now. I'm gonna take it easy." <laughs> I think that's his entire like life motto: is just take it easy. You know? Yeah, the real the real tranquilo. Yeah, the real tranquilo. <laughs> Oh man, I don't know. I, honestly, I feel dumb. I'll I have to take back a lot of the shit that I said earlier this year about the star making performances of um, Sonata. You know, I was really bought into the presentation of and the receptions he was getting when he first was chasing the title and then won the title, and even some of the early title matches. But it feels like especially since the g1 this title reign has not been what it could have been and i'm i don't know i think it is something that needs to probably be talked about in terms of like uh the public perception of new japan i think like a lot of people are like new japan's down one of those reasons is because the guy that got the top title on is sonata yeah um and you know he, he did he did have a star making performance. Not like we were, were wrong. Like everything that led up to him winning the title was great. He did look like a star. He he was getting over. But I think part of the problem besides his performance is there's just a lot other a lot more more interesting people to be excited about in New Japan. Like I want to see what's going to happen with Suji. Like what's going on with Umino. Like there's all these other guys that are being built up. Obviously you have Will Osprey. Uh, there's so many great guys and that are heating up and are more interested in than he is man. The weakest two champions of the modern era, evil and Sonata going to duke it out in the main event. (laughs) Destruction tour. Can't wait. wait. (laughs) Be there. (laughs) Where were you the night Sonata took on evil for the IWGP world heavyweight title? I cannot wait. Oh boy. Well, uh, let's preview Destruction in Kobe <laughs> <laughs> uh, from uh, it'll be in uh, Kobe World Hall September twenty fourth. So this coming Sunday, uh, yeah, this coming Sunday, big show here. Lots of title matches, grudge matches. Uh, show open up. We'll have Kevin Knight and a Tiger Mask teaming up to take on the Bullet Club War Dog team of Clark Connors and Drilla Maloney. Make it for the title, or it didn't happen. <laughs> Why are they not defending their belts? Well, uh, Tiger Mask is not Kevin Knight's regular partner. Tiger Mask, former champion. Kevin Knight, former champion. I don't see the problem here. Two <laughs> decorated champions. Kevin Knight just headlined in Arena Mexico, wearing the red, white, and blue. What are we doing? <laughs> yeah, I think this is probably just a, a placeholder until uh, Kashida can get in for the tour. I think he'll be on tour the the following uh, show. But clearly, um, Junior Tag League is coming up. War Dogs will, will be in it, and I'm sure Kevin Knight and Kushida will be in it, and maybe Tiger Mask will find somebody else to team up with. Kevin Knight's going to beat Drill and Maloney. You think so? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Tiger Mask doing the favors, I hope. Yeah. You, you would think. Yeah. So the following that, we got House of Torture, Dick Togo, Evil, and Yujiro. We'll be taking on Doki, Sonata, and Taka, just five guys. So more build up for the uh, 
big uh, title match. Moto, moto, <laughs> moto. Uh, then after that, we got Bullet Clubs, Alex Coughlin, Chase Owens, Dave Finley, Gabe Kidd, and Gato will take on G.O.D. of E.L.P., Hikaleo, Jado, Tamatanga, and Tanga Loa. You know, all the classic members of Gorillas of Destiny, like Jado. El Fantasmo. <laughs> Uh, the names you associate with G.O.D. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Nobody realer than Gorilla, <laughs> El Fantasmo. Yeah, the real honorary Tongan. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, yeah. Um, hopefully, well, you know, obviously this is a preview match for David Finley versus Tamatonga, as well as um, who is it? I guess they're not in this match. I was trying to remember who... Uh, El Phantasma and Hikaleo are facing next. Yeah. They're facing... Ki- Coughlin and Kid. they're in the match. Oh, they're in the match. Okay. They're challenging right. for the uh, strong tag titles at Enria Goku. All right, so Chase Owens and Jado are the hanger-ons here. Yeah. <laughs> so one of them is doing the, doing the favor, probably. Yeah. Uh, following that, we got Leo Rush coming in for the tour. Leo Rush teaming up with Yo. They'll take on Bushi and Hiromu. Again, I'm guessing a preview for Junior Tag League. A lot of people were, you know, kind of wondering what's the deal with Leo Rush and Yo. I guess we're going to find out if that is a thing or not. Yeah, maybe Impact Kayfabe does not affect anything. <laughs> Very possible. Gato, I mean, like Gato, he's a heel now. Okay. No, no, no. no. <laughs> not here. <laughs> <laughs> It's possible. Also, at the same time, it might be irrelevant. But uh, we'll see. Either way, Bushi's losing, period. Yeah. It's Bushi. Fuck him. <laughs> Following that, we'll have Kazuchika Okada and Tomohiro Ishii taking on Bad Dude Tito and Zack Sabre Jr. Bad Dude Tito be- beats Tomohiro Ishii with the Spine Buster. So why a Spine Buster? Because... The spine buster rules. <laughs> no, nah, he needs to hit a Steiner screwdriver. Nah, that's bro. Come on, it's too flashy. We don't need all the. We don't need all that choreographed shit in wrestling. We need <laughs> go back to the basics. Arn Anderson, the Carolinas, the spine buster. <laughs> go back to the basics. Grab a hole. Grab a hole. <laughs> uh, this should be a, a pretty fun tag match, though. Yeah, I mean, uh, you look at the names involved, and I mean, it, it looks very compelling. Um, you know, I am wondering what the story here is. Maybe this is leading to what you kind of alluded to, the idea that a never six-man openweight tag team title match might be uh, waiting in the wings with uh, Team DK on the opposite side as challengers. Yeah. Also, you know, you can never discount the idea that Zack Sabre Jr. is still the current reigning television champion. And, uh, you know, I, I know it's Okada and Ishii on the other side, but you never know. They might be trying to look to establish a, a next challenger because as of now, we don't have one for him. Yeah, maybe Okada wants to win it so he, he could break Zach's record. <laughs> well, Zach already broke his record, right. so there's that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, I, can Okada beat, you know, um, Zach in 15 minutes? I don't know. Yeah. That that would be interesting. That would be interesting. An Okada like title run where all his matches have to be fifteen minutes. 
It'd be kind of interesting, but then it's like, what's the fucking point of this title? It's supposed to be for the young dudes. You got <laughs> Ishii and Okada's the next challengers. Like, what, what the fuck? <laughs> Whatever. Uh, next matchup, we got the provisional KOPW title on the line. The champion Taichi will defend against Sho in uh, Taichi's rules, which on the poll where um, all seconds will be handcuffed in the match. So in this bout, there will be no time limit. And the members of House of Torture will be handcuffed to the members of Just Five Guys, with Evil being cuffed to Sonata, Yujiro being cuffed to Doki, and Dick Togo being cuffed to Taka Michinoku. So, you're saying there's no time limit? Mm-hmm. So, hypothetically, this match could go on Forever! Indefinitely. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like such a nightmare. Oh, my God. Um... Now, House of Torture, it's just those four members, right? Or is there five guys in House of Torture? I can't recall. They're, they're just four guys. Okay. It's Dick Togo, Sho, <laughs> Evil, and Yujiro. That's it? Yeah. Okay. But there are only... Who are we missing? Because obviously Kanemaru's hurt, so he's out. So who's not, like, that, handcuffed? Him? That's the only person that's missing. It's Kanemaru. Okay, so we wrestling. still have the other three members of Just Five. I'm terrible at math. Yeah, so yeah, you have so Kanemaru's out. So you have the three other three guys, and then Tai Chi's wrestling. Okay, so we're covered. I, yeah. I'm like worried about like a fifth House of Torture guy that's not handcuffed. That's well, gonna, maybe like, maybe they introduce a new member. I hope not. <laughs> also, this rule sucks. Like, like what's how is that even gonna play? You know. Well, you, you're going to have the whole thing where the guys are handcuffed together and they're both rolling in the ring together. And then you have a bunch of handcuffed guys like brawling in the ring. And But think about like just the optics of how it starts, right? The match starts and you're handcuffed to someone you don't like. Are you just going to start running it right away? Like, is it just going to be a, a melee or are they going to do the thing where they're like trying to have a modicum of sportsmanship <laughs> where they try to, you know, coexist, but you know, pulling at each other's arms and until it, you know, degenerates. It just seems so stupid. Yeah, it, it'll probably be that. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> All of it's terrible. Yeah. Um, I hope Tai Chi wins. I, I really I don't care. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't. I don't care if Tai Chi or Show wins this match. Uh, oh, man. So, uh, Why can't we just have regular, like, bro, we just, you know. Run, run back Tai Chi and Shingo. How, why can't we have regular rules, like, um, st- stipulation matches? You know what I mean? Like, why does it have to be so zany? Right. Why like, can't we just have a no DQ match and just, just call it a day? Or, like, you know, I'm not saying to copy them necessarily, but, like, AEW just had a, a pretty fucking raw, like, strap match. Just do a strap match. Yeah, that'd you be know, dope. Do an I quit match. If you can't pick it as part of your rule set in WWE 2K3 or whatever the fuck the games are called, you probably shouldn't be doing it. <laughs> you can't play this in 2K. Uh, can't play it in Fire Pro. <laughs> you can't do this in Fire Pro. You probably shouldn't be doing it. Just, you know. Just do an exploding barbed wire match. Not gonna coal miner's glove on a pole match why can't we do that 
Judy ba- Judy Bagwell on a pole. What happened to the flag match? Why can't we have a fucking flag match? There you, you know? go. Just five guys flag. Has a torture flag. Put them in I the missed pole. the I missed the the glory days of this title when we had amateur pro wrestling rule matches and sumo wrestling mixed rule martial matches. arts mixed martial arts those were the the pinnacle you know you can only beat the guy with your finisher mm. match what happened to that shit good old days the good old days <laughs> there was never a good old days for this title this is the title that needs to fucking go we you got people Advocating for getting rid of the red belt. What the fuck for? We got the light blue belt. Let's scrap this shit. Yeah. This I, is a blight on this company. I'd even rather just keep the strong titles over KOPW. Bro, we don't need a strong title. We don't need a KOPW title. We don't we we sure as hell don't need no women's titles. <laughs> The fuck are we doing? This is not the New Japan I signed up for in 2016 to cover this promotion. Oh man, I'm dead. The TV title? What for? They're not even on TV. What the fuck are we doing? Oh man. So uh, after that, we got. The- <laughs> Uh, IWGP tag team title match. Uh, With that being said, I think Tai Chi retains. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, uh, Bishamon uh, defending the titles against uh, Mikey Nichols and Shane Hayes. You know, I did think originally that Team DK was going to retain, but my alarm bells are going off way too much with the fact that they've uh, won almost the entirety of the feud leading up to this granted they have had a lot of title shots and they have failed at each juncture i feel like they're gonna lose here um i hope they don't i'd be glad if they won but i kind of get this weird feeling that like we're gonna get the new champions coming out of wrestle king like out of world tag league and wrestle kingdom yeah maybe i don't know i'm kind of feeling they might try to do like another like bishamon Story to, to run World Tag League and kind of make them one of the focal points. Like if they're not the champions or the whole quest to kind of win World Tag League again. I think that the hundredth. This is just my new feeling, and I could be completely wrong and completely off base, but this is just where I feel like we're going. Kind of doing a little bit of like a, you know, reading the tea leaves. I think one of the tag teams that will come eventually arrive at World Tag League is going to be Shingo Takagi and Yota Suji. And they, they're going to win World Tag League and challenge Bishamon and be the new the 100th champions come Wrestle Kingdom. Because I don't really know what they're going to do with those guys for the, for the rest of the year. You know, I don't think Yota Suji is... Well, I guess I'm spoiling the, the preview, but I don't think Yota Suji is beating... Will Osprey here. Yeah. It's gonna, he's going to need something to do. Those are two top guys that have nothing to do between now and, and Wrestle Kingdom. You put them in World Tag League. I think they're winning the shit. I think they're going to be the next champions. They should be. I mean, they, they would be, I think, heavy favorites in that tournament. And I think them versus Bishamon would be a great uh, Tokyo Dome tag match. I agree. So uh, I'm, I'm going to go with uh, TMDK. Uh, I think I'm going to go with them winning and then maybe... Uh, 
you, you do some kind of three way at the Tokyo Dome, and you do them defending against Bishamon and um, CG and, and Chingo. But we'll see what happens. You, you could be right here. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not even necessarily saying I'm right. You could even still have TMDK win, and then you still have a story to set up whoever it is at World Tag League to be the next champion, you know, challengers in right. Wrestle Kingdom. And, the, and there's still power struggle in November before Tag League, so you could have one more tile defense, tag tile defense before World Tag League. This is the first match, though, that we previewed on this show that I'm like, this is going to be awesome. Yeah. So... So uh, next after that, we're going to have a, a grudge match up here. Special singles match, Shingo Takagi versus the Great Okan. Yeah, I mean, um, we, we've seen them wrestle before. I don't know if I've necessarily loved the matches that they've had, but um, they have, a, they have a, a stage and opportunity to go out there and really deliver. So I hope they do. Uh, in either case, I'm... I don't know. I like I want Shingo to win because I'm a bigger fan of Shingo and I just mm-hmm. haven't seen you know, I, I like Great Ocon, but you know, I'm tired of having the discussion when is he going to take the step up and become the guy that people think he's projected to be. And until I see something more, I'm just not going to really engage in that kind of conversation anymore. Really. Yeah, I'm kind of the same boat for you. Definitely a, a bigger fan of Shingo. Shingo is a two and zero against uh, Great Okan in their previous matchups, um, and, and you know the build is kind of been all right. Um, but I kind of want to see Shingo doing something a little bit more important. Uh, but yeah, with Okan, like I feel like both guys are kind of at a crossroad right now. I feel like both right. guys kind of need this win. Um, but I, I would rather see Shingo win and be elevated to potentially have some kind of big singles match before World Tag League. Well, you know, in a situation like this, usually the winner would be a de facto title challenger. Maybe you do something like that where you have Shingo win this match and be the next challenger for Sonata's title to kind of round out the whole he beat everybody from his past from LIJ before he finally takes on Sonata. Uh, Maybe that takes on Naito. Or I'm sorry, before he takes on Naito. Yeah. Yeah. I think that would make sense. Yeah. You definitely could do Shingo versus Sonata at power struggle. I think that'd be a great uh, main event. Um, So yeah, we'll go with Shingo winning and hopefully to set that match up. So then after that will be uh, Tetsuya Naito versus Jeff Cobb for the Contract slash tote slash, I guess, main event at Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, I mean, the match should be good. They've they've had good matches in the past with one another. They've got a lot of chemistry. Um, but ultimately, like, we know where this is heading. Um, so there's not a lot of drama there. Uh, unless, you know, they pull some sort of crazy curveball and have, you know, Jeff Cobb win. But I'm just, I'm, I'm not expecting it whatsoever. I, I think uh, Naito wins here easily. Yeah, I think it's definitely an easy defense for Naito. Um, should be a good matchup here, but yeah, Naito will, will get the win here and obviously continue his path to the Tokyo Dome. So then that takes us to the big main event here for the IWGP US slash UK heavyweight title. The champion Will Ospreay will defend against Gene Blast, Yota Suji. 
this is the the match really that the show looks good i mean i'm i'm sure naito and Cobb is going to be very good um shingo and great okan that's a, a special singles match and we've got the big iwgp tag team title match but realistically this match here is levels above everything else on the show in terms of quality potential stakes fan interest uh the build up everything around it and i'm really 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 looking forward to this one i don't expect yota suji to win but stranger things have happened in this company mm -hmm. and with the speculation that will osprey might potentially be on his way out from the company it begs the question do you keep that title on him all the way through to wrestle kingdom until he's potentially leaving do you think that that's a, a more marketable approach which is something that they did with kenny omega on his way out he dropped the belt at wrestle kingdom to tanahashi they could be setting something like that up similarly or you might kind of feel and they've sort of alluded to this in the build they keep mentioning that will his stature in, in the industry and how he's viewed right now is maybe above the title itself. And if that's the case, maybe, maybe they're kind of uh, spoiling their hand and letting us know, like, we don't need him to carry this belt all the way to January. We can do a, a, a dream match at the Tokyo Dome and move on and, and put the title on Yotosuji. Surrounding all of that, is the you know the discourse around the uk slash us belt and the ic belt and the world title and everything that is kind of being spun by uh yota suji and his uh comments i don't know if you've seen any of those videos yeah so yeah they can definitely yeah use this kind of elevate to bring back the ic title with this whole us uk thing um and yeah, I'm. I'm also. I'm probably leaning more towards Will winning this matchup. I mean, he just beat Mayor Fuji. He is being Kenny Omega. He beat Okada. Um, you know, he's on this murderer's row of just beating all these really top, incredible guys. You know, Jericho at Wembley. Um, so he's he's really built up right now. So I could see them want to kind of keep that momentum going, and they bring in somebody big to beat him at Wrestle Kingdom. But at the same time, I feel like now's the time to pull the trigger on Yotatsuji. I, I feel like he's super over, great reactions to every city they go to. He's a great wrestler, great charisma. Uh, I feel like he's, it's kind of one of the things where New Japan kind of, they do this sometimes where they, they wait too long to pull a trigger on a young guy. They kind of, they want him to kind of pay his dues and they go through, yeah, go through your world tag league and do that. Like, no, like. Put the belt, give this man the U.S. belt, and like have him kill it. Like I think it would be a great, like shocking system for Suji to win a title like this, and then have some great defenses. You know, I'm not a big fan of, um, you know, hot potato type style booking necessarily, but there is something to be said about when you, you know, pull the trigger on somebody and you know use that opportunity to make them. And that was something that we were sort of looking out for from this year's and climax that a block with all those top young guys and realistically they made none of them which you know to some fans might be 
seen as like a net positive because it's like, oh, the long play is it is in play because now we're gonna have to see how, how these guys try to rise above one another long term. But realistically, when nobody gets over, nobody gets over. And that's kind of where we're at with Yotasuji. And you've heard a lot of like pundits and talking heads say that they should have already pulled the trigger and put the title on him back at uh, Dominion when he challenged uh, against Sonata. Um, I, I'm not necessarily in that camp, but I do think it would be extremely interesting and entertaining to go ahead and put the title on him. We saw what it did for Jay White when they decided to put the, the red belt on Jay White over Kenny Omega, and that was essentially the thing that made Jay from, you know, not necessarily day one, but like day two, essentially. Yeah. Um, and they could do something similar, sim- similarly here. And one of the things that um, I heard Suji say, I, I watched the, did you watch that video that they put on YouTube? Yeah. And, you know, and one thing he mentioned, he's like, you know, I'm the same age as Will Ospreay. He's like, I don't even see this as like a changing of the guard. I see him as my peer, even though like when I first started, he was already at the top of the company. Like I'm here to kind of like show him like I'm his contemporary. Yeah. And um, he had some pretty telling comments where he was like, you know, uh, he's one of the best wrestlers out there. Look at the way he wrestles, but look at the way he talks. And he started <laughs> kind of questioning his sense of self-worth and his sense of self-belief. And he was like, you know, uh, he's like, you look at the, the aces of this company and view the way that they talk about themselves. And then you view the way that Will Ospreay talks about himself. And he's like, Will's going around saying, I beat this many guys in this many days. Oi, oi, this is who I am, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, I never heard Tanahashi or Okada ever talk about the guys they beat, ever. Mm. They didn't have to reassure themselves about who the fuck they were. Right. And like, again, it's unearned, but Suji has this aura about him that like he's done nothing in kayfabe to earn it, but he just knows who the fuck he is. Right, dude, his... His aura, the charisma, the way he carries himself in the mm-hmm. ring, the way he's just organically gotten over. Like, there's just so many attributes and qualities that makes him a star. And if I'm Gato, I should I should evaluate that and be like, all right, this guy's getting over. His promos are great. His presence is great. Looks like a star. Wrestles like a star. Like, I, I got to push this guy. Yeah, and, you know... I do think that there could be potentially money in keeping Osprey as champion and letting him carry all the way to January. And who knows? Maybe he's not going anywhere, but I'm kind of just operating under the assumption right now that this guy's got one foot out the door and he's leaving after January 4th. That's sort of what the the the, the chit-chat is, if you understand. The tea leaves. The, yeah. And so I am wondering... If he's the big fish, who's going to reel him in? What What is that match that you can do? I know that there's probably some people listening and thinking like, well, you know, the match you probably wanted to do is him and o- Omega again at the Tokyo Dome. But remember that part of that story was like, if I can't overcome Omega by the end of the year, I'm going to leave. Well, he already overcame him. You know, right. he did that forbidden door. Right. Um, and if he's carrying the belt into the Tokyo Dome, 
what good would it do to have him drop the title to Kenny before he leaves the company? You know what I mean? Because we already saw how that went. and Right. We'll be right back where we were last year. Yeah, that doesn't really do much for me. But then I have to start wondering, like, what is the marketable match that could be on the docket for a Wrestle Kingdom marquee match where you put champion Will Ospreay against whomever where he's expected to drop the title and it means something. And the only name that really is coming to my mind that you could do that with is like what Umino. That's what I was just thinking. Yeah. Do I? And then if that's the case, I start playing with the math. I'm like, what would be better? Not pulling the trigger on Suji who I think has more upside, more proven star potential, and is, in my opinion, a better wrestler right now, and then letting Will go on and do some sort of dream match as he exits the company, or do I hold off until Umino is the guy that we pull the trigger on? Do I have that sort of faith in him to be the guy to usurp uh, Will? I, I kind of feel like maybe you should just drop the title here, and let Will go on and face Kenny or whoever the fuck at the Tokyo Dome and try to like capitalize on that, make the most money you can. Yeah. Without without the title being in play. Right. And then you do Suji versus Umino and you do a big title match with those two guys and kind of kick off like their Wrestle Kingdom history and feud there. And you know, I'm I'm trying to just uh project here and, and what I think long term makes more business sense. And it's like or you know what? In a perfect world, maybe you do Suji here, he fails, and somehow he finds his way back to title contention come January 4th, and then he's the guy that wins it on the rematch. You do a two-match series. Yeah. Maybe that's possible. I don't know. Yeah. What if what if uh, Suji can wrestle him to a, a draw? A 60-minute time limit draw? <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't need a Broadway. <laughs> Um, but I wouldn't be opposed to a two-match series between these guys. Maybe that's the way we're going, you know? Yeah, I think that could be great. And then, yeah, Suji kind of rebuild, kind of builds some confidence through World Tag League teaming with Shingo, and then, yeah, you have him come out and challenge Osprey again. Uh, look, look, I'll just say it like this. My heart, my gut, and my mind are all telling me Will retains here. But because I don't want to be the dumbest, I, I want to be the smartest guy in the room. You want to be ahead. <laughs> I want to be ahead. I kind of want to say Suji, even though nothing is pointing to me to say 100% that he should win. And, you know, I, I, I don't feel strong enough to, to say that to my official stance. But all I, all I am saying, it's not my prediction that he's going to win. But don't count it out. Right. Don't be surprised. If he does win. Don't be surprised if he wins the title here. As crazy as that sounds. Yeah. Because again, think and then the other thing too, think about it. Like Suji failed with Sonata. He failed in the G1. Do you want you know, if you're the booker and you see an upside in this guy, do you want him to fail here again? You know, it, it is the is what you're trying to do just like for him to have a really great match with Osprey so he can be made quote unquote in losing and his uh profile he gets the rub from working with a better guy and having a great match or 
do I want one of my my young guys to beat Will before he walks out of this place? I, I think they might be smart to have him win here. I, I hope so. I, I think I think that's the right call. I, I I think it's the right call too. But I feel like they're gonna have Will carry the belt to the Tokyo Dome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if I'm doing the safe bet, you know, gun to my head, I'm picking Will Osprey to win this match, but. If I'm book, if I if I had the book, I, I'm putting Suji over. Uh, we did have a question here from Reddit user Stone Tombstone says Josh mentioned last week that Suji is a big boy. That said, I often see New Japan fans describe Suji as being this surprisingly agile but towering heavyweight, implying he's one of the bigger men on the roster. But then you look up his stats, and he's only six feet tall and 227 pounds. That's like 1999, 2000s ECW Jerry Lynn, who was among the smaller top guys in all of wrestling. In fact, Umino is pretty much the same size exactly. So what do you think gives everyone this impression? Well, a um, couple things. I don't think Jerry Lynn is six foot. I think he's like billed as 5'11 mm-hmm. and not actually 5'11. <laughs> um in fact, I'll I'll just say this: like I've stood, I'm six two, and I've stood next to Jerry Lynn, and he's not, he's not six foot, he's not close to six foot. Um, uh, with aside from that though, yeah, six foot isn't necessarily like the biggest proportion person in the world, you know. But you know, it's not all about his height; it also is about his proportions and his build. And he's a stocky, broad motherfucker. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And you don't see too many guys with his build and physique doing the sorts of things that he does. So I think that's kind of what we mean. Um, and I think he is bigger than, who do you say, Umino? Yeah. I, I don't think Umino is the same size as him exactly. I think that they can be similarly similar heights and similar weights, but like he's not big the way Umino. Umino's, or I'm sorry, uh, Suji's big. Yeah, I mean, you just look at his, his his torso, his body, like his proportions, like you mentioned. Obviously, Umino is jacked; like he has a, a ton of muscle. But just like the way Suji um, is built, he's just a bigger guy with that with that frame. And plus, two, it's in Japan. Like the, the that's the thing; it's in Japan. Like the guys there are a little bit smaller than to like the to Western wrestling, especially domestic stars. So, I mean, that's another thing too. Is like, uh, you know, you look at like. Okada or like Jake Lee and they're like really big for domestic Japanese professional wrestlers. There's not many guys their size, you know, in the craft similar, like Suji similar to that in a certain respect, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, that's going to wrap our preview for destruction in Kobe. Uh, Josh, take us to the news. Yeah, so we got a few news items here. The IWGP UK champ, Will Ospreay, made his New Japan NOAA debut this past weekend at Marifuji, uh, Naomichi Marafuji's 25th anniversary show, and he defeated Naomichi Marafuji in the main event. We had a question here. Rambo and Slam Pig said, what are your thoughts on Will Ospreay versus Naomichi Marafuji? It is pretty amazing to see the run Will's been on against top opponents from a variety of promotions. I have a hard time seeing anyone else catching him for wrestler of the year well if you ask pwi he's not even in the top 10 so 
if you ask the PWI. There's just several people. Tetsuya Naito's not even in the fucking top 500 wrestlers of the, of, in the world. Masha Slamovich is better than Tetsuya Naito. Maybe, you know, bring her over. Yeah. Uh, we got women's titles now. Yeah. Um, I haven't got a chance to, to watch this match yet. I've seen a lot of clips and gifts from the match, and uh, it look, looks pretty awesome. I've heard people give it rave reviews. I know it was, like, uh, super high-rated on Cage Match. Uh, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to checking it out. I did watch this match. Spoiler alert, it is my excursion match of the week recommendation, so Jeremy has to watch it whether he whether he wants to or not. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I thought the match was fantastic. I mean, um, I thought him and, and Marafuji did a lot of really cool, unique stuff. This is probably one of the best Marafuji matches, like singles matches in a long time. It was very special, had an incredible atmosphere and environment. Um, just, you know, I, I, I don't want to overblow it and say like, it's the best match of the year or like a match of the year contender, but it was pretty fucking awesome. And, uh, I'm excited to, uh, get Jeremy's, you know, takes and opinions on it you know i feel like that's that'll be a little more definitive uh next week but where are you going on snowflakes on it i don't know like probably four and a half okay which is very 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 good i mean it's uh like he mentioned will you know what's funny is like i at first i was like um i was trying to think about like if i thought it was will's best like excursion match but then i thought about like the jericho match which i like I thought was really good, but maybe not fully, fully up to like the Will Osprey level. Mm-hmm. And I thought this was probably better than that. Oh, but wow. I'm still like, but I'm still like four and a half on it, and which I think is the same rating I gave the Jericho match. So I don't know. Gotcha. It's really, it was really great. It was fantastic. A lot of people really liked it, and it felt special. So, um, in other news, all three strong titles. Uh, singles titles will be on the line at Fighting Spirit Unleashed October 28th. And you said all three singles titles, but there's only two singles titles and a tag title. There's the well, the strong so wait, there's a strong open weight title, the women's title. And the tags. tags. Okay, yep. My bad. Yes, you gave me bad copy. <laughs> uh, all three strong titles will be on the line at Fighting Spirit Unleashed October 28th. Um, other news, International Wrestling King, uh, Wrestle Kingdom ticket sales started Friday, September 15th. If you're you know international and you want to go, those are available. Um, in other news, after sustaining a knee injury September 9th, Yoshinabu Kanemaru is still not currently cleared to compete and will be absent for the remainder of the Road to Destruction Tour. We'll keep up on his injuries and, and you know see how that goes. Hiroshi Tanahashi, Tomohiro Ishii, and Kazushika Okada it was announced that they're that they're going to put the never open weight six man titles on the line in Ria Goku against the Motor City Machine Guns and Josh Alexander. Because uh, Ichigo Okada had some pretty interesting backstage comments regarding this announced match, uh, basically saying that there's no company that he detests more in the wrestling world than Impact. And then he said, "Wait, scratch that. I don't give a fuck about Impact. TNA. <laughs> it's TNA that I hate." <laughs> Uh, two more matches are confirmed for the New Japan Academy Summer 2023 Showcase. Trisha Adora and Johnny Robbie versus Viva Van and J-Rod, as well as SoCal Crazy versus Vegan Keegan versus Buck Skinner versus Jake Painter. Top-notch names there. <laughs> <laughs> 
On today's DDT show, Minoru Suzuki defeated Sanshiro Takagi in a false count anywhere match that took place in a bullet train. And there was a moment in this match where, uh, um, what's wrong with me? Kenta Kobashi showed up and gave a, a giant chop to Minoru Suzuki. Yeah, Pretty funny. Hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Minoru Suzuki is going to face Jacob Fatu in a dream match on October uh, 11th. Okay, because it said one TTH. I'm like, what's <laughs> what's one? <laughs> on October 11th, at MLW Slaughterhouse. September 12th, saw a special ceremony at the So 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 Gigi Temple in uh, Surumi, Yokohama, marking the first anniversary of Antonio Anoki's passing at the age of 79 on October 1st. As well as to unveil special statue at the temple, the bronze statue was made uh, to 110% of Anoki's living size. With Kazushiko Kata acting as the model for the statue's physique, uh, representing New Japan Pro Wrestling at the unveiling were Tiger Masks, Toshi Kojima, Hiroshi Tenzan, Yuji Nagata, Hiroshi Tana, Hiroshi Tanahashi, Tanahashi, and Kazushiko Kata, as well as NJPW consultant Seiji Sakaguchi. Um, All Japan and NOAA also had multiple uh, attendants there. There was over 120 people in attendance at the ceremony. And Anoki's cremated remains are currently with the daughter, Hiroki, who resides in the U.S. and will be laid to rest in Yokohama when she returns to Japan later this year. The grave and statue are open for viewing to the general public. Um, Really weird. There was no AEW representation at this (laughs) unveiling. (laughs) And there was no announcement of how any of this plays into Wrestle Dream is strange. Maybe they're going to fly the statue over for Wrestle Dream. Do you think that the daughter is going to show up at Wrestle Dream with the ashes and the urn and be honored by Tony Khan and, and all of the representatives from AEW for Wrestle Dream? I mean, I, I would hope that if you're, if you're going to do this whole thing, like the daughter's in the U.S., bring her in, you know, do the whole Martha Hart gimmick, put her on the stage, let her say something, uh, yeah <laughs> you would think you would think yeah <laughs> yeah they should have you know what they should do give everybody that shows up that night red towels to wear they should yeah red scarves or blue scarves either way it doesn't matter <laughs> all right we got some uh questions here and then we'll go to uh recommended and excursion match of the week uh, so first uh, question here from deaf triangle 720 says if suji and chingo don't have singles matches at Russell Kingdom. Should they win World Tag League and have Lij hold goal by the end of Russell Kingdom? Oh, he stole my idea. <laughs> Actually, he didn't steal it because I never said it publicly. So maybe me and Death Triangle. Maybe he's secretly like my burner account where I send in <laughs> questions to the show. <laughs> No, uh, we're on the same wavelength, though. Yeah, I think that that's a. I, I think that'd be a great way to go. And I, I'm just kind of looking like, who else? What tag team is out there right now that like, you know, you could you could see them pushing through World Tag League and really meaning anything. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, I would have said Aussie Open if they were still here. There's no Aussie Open. TMDK are getting a title shot here in uh, September. Oh, I Maybe got, I got a, it. Bad Luck Fale and Jack Bonza. Let's go. They 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 will be in uh, World Tag League, it appears. It seems like they're gearing up for that. They were kind of alluding to it a bit on the New Japan World website. Um, you know, there, there, there really isn't a tag team. And, I mean, it, it feels like if you go Bishamon again, you know, you're kind of 
retreading the same waters that you've gone over so many times. There's no dangerous techers. I feel like it's time for them to come up with a new tag team, and it might be in their best interest to do like Suji and um, Shingo, because what else are those guys going to be doing at that time? Right. If, if Suji doesn't beat Osprey, then he's probably not going to be geared up for a big singles match. So you, I think you definitely want to have him on the card. So having him team with Chingo, I think would be a great idea. See, I'm covered either way because if Suji beats Osprey, I'm going to claim that I predicted it. <laughs> <laughs> and then, but if he loses and, and they he will, goes to World Tag League with Suji, I'm going to predict- claim I predicted that shit too. <laughs> either way, I'm good. Oh, man. Uh, he also asked, outside of the main event for Wrestling Kingdom 18, what would be the most exciting card for people to want to watch? Is he saying that outside of Sonata and Naito not being necessarily the greatest match of all time? <laughs> <laughs> well, I do kind of, I, I am leaning towards the idea that we're probably going to get Brian Danielson and Okada at the Dome. Yep, that'd be great. And then you kind of have to ask yourself where Will is and I don't know. I kind of felt like we were going to get Will and Omega again, but maybe not if he's on his way out. Hard to say. Yeah, I mean, I feel like a lot of the big matches for Will are kind of outside the company. Like, yeah, doing an Omega rematch, a Jericho rematch you could do. Yeah, and I mean, I, I hate to say, like, what else is there for him to do, but think about it. What? What is the dream match that you could have for Will Ospreay that he hasn't done over the past five years in this company? He's wrestled literally everybody. And he's beaten pretty much all the big people this year. He's already beaten Okada. Uh, he's, he's wrestled Naito. He beat Jericho. He's beaten Omega. Like <laughs> Okada was like the big the big one, and they already did the like quote-unquote payoff. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't see a... A big, um, unless like you want to send him out doing a favor on the way out, like you split him off from his group and maybe he loses to like an Ocon or a Jeff Cobb. But that might seem even by some fan standard, like a lackluster way to do the exit. But that mm-hmm. is a way you could go. But I mean, he's even fighting Zach, Zach Sabre Jr. in London. That's, you know, that's a generational matchup that probably has a lot of importance and meaning. But I don't know. I, I don't know what's left for for him in this company, and I'm wondering. Obviously, he's one of the top guys in the company, so he's going to have a big spot at at Wrestle Kingdom, I'm sure. Um, I'm wondering what Tanahashi is going to be doing, if anything. It, like, if this is the definitive year where it's like he goes down the card, you know? <laughs> yeah, he's going to be. Uh, what did no. What did he do last year? Um. I don't remember. Neither do I. I remember the year before it was the Kenta match. Yeah, yeah, the Kenta match, and I remember he wrestled Jericho one year. You know, that's a match no one ever talks about, which was which great. Yeah, I don't remember what he did last year. Well, last year was what? Seventeen. Yeah. Did he wrestle Kenta again? Uh, No, I don't think so. Was he in a title match? <laughs> <laughs> Hold on here. I'm pulling, pulling the card up here. Let's see. Uh, how do I not remember what Tanahashi did at Wrestle Kingdom last year? Let's see. Come on. Where's the card? Here we go. Results. 
He wasn't booked. <laughs> Let's see here. Catch 2-2 versus Leo Rudd. Kyrie Tam. Bishamon. FTR. Zach Narita. Tao Tonga. And, oh, that's right. They had the um, the KG Muto match. It was Muto, Tanahashi, and Oh, Umino yeah, 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 yeah. Against okay. LIJ. And that, at the time, felt like, ooh, that's a little bit of a going down sort of moment. So... I don't know. I feel like the two big names that are not in the title match, more so than anybody else, are um, Okada and Will. Because you got Naito and Sonata in that match. And so I think that that, you're you're probably going to base the rest of your big matches around them. I feel like you could probably get a little juice out of something with uh, Tanahashi. Obviously, the junior match, there's still probably something there for Hiromu, maybe... I hate to say it, but him and Desperado again, I don't know. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. I, I'm not, like, right now, I, I'm not able to, like, project a super, super happening um, Wrestle Kingdom as it stands. Yeah, I think it's we're still it's a little bit too far out to kind of see what what makes sense for that card. But also, there's stuff you can do. I think they're really, they really should really focus on elevating the younger guys, I think, they should uh, this year. I feel like... Uh, that's probably imperative because, again, and this goes back to the rant starting from the G one when you don't elevate the, when you don't elevate any of those three guys specifically, you know the Musketeers coming out of the A block, you don't have anything to build off of for your biggest show of the year in January. You know if they're kind of in limbo in that in between time what have we really done what what business are we building and there is an exodus most likely coming early next year we have to have the right pieces in place to fill those gaps and right now i'm not so sure that they have those pieces in place yeah i know usually they do a great job of you know rebuilding refueling relowering the cannon but yeah, they're kind of a spot where they have some talent but they haven't done a good job of setting up in the in the right spot the raw material is there. They've got the building blocks, but they haven't set them up to step into the roles like we are talking about. And the guys that they do kind of have position in those places, like Tamatonga and David Finley, you kind of have to ask yourself: Do you do you have that faith that those are the guys? You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, if I were them, I would have all three Musketeers win some kind of title, risking them. Like you do, Suji and Shingo win the tag titles. Maybe um, Narita wins the TV title from Zach, and then Umino wins the US title or, or the Never title. One thing we we didn't discuss, and maybe I don't know if this comes up again uh, in these questions, but do we have any questions about the IC title situation? Uh, no, I don't think so. Okay, so we should probably talk about that real quick. So, you know, one of the things that we kind of were wondering is how do they how do they work that scenario out what what does that look like and basically what suji has postulated and, and you know basically thrown out there is like if he wins the US UK title and then naito wins the world title it, naito never wanted the titles to be unified to begin with and so what he has basically offered is that he will retire the red belt entirely and they will split the IC title out of 
the IWGP slash IWGP world title and bring back the IC belt. And he said that he would like to, at that point, he would want to challenge for it. Now, they didn't make it clear if that means he would be challenging Naito for it or if it would just become a vacant belt that he would be challenging for Mm. versus somebody else. But this is the scenario that is being uh, presented. And personally, I mean, you know, I, I do like the red belt. I think it's had an important place, but I think the white belt is even higher in stature in the, uh, you know, the lore. The, the lore of New Japan Pro Wrestling. And I kind of like that idea of retiring the red belt, bringing the white belt back. And my feeling is if this is what you're going to do, it'd be best to just retcon the entire history of the world title and just retain the IWGP lineage into it, period. Just split off the, do a full retcon, split the IC belt and retcon the entire uh, title lineage going all the way back to Anoki in 87. Yeah, I think that's would be probably a good thing to do. They give the world title back its lineage, kind of bring back that IC title, which is known for its great matches and its importance in, in the history of the company and you know you don't really need a title called the u.s title if it's never really defended in the u.s or part of the, the u.s product at all you have the strong title a strong title can quote unquote become your your u.s title suji also mentioned during his link is a short interview but he touched a lot of subjects and he talked about how like they might not be able to to uh, kind of echoing some of the sentiments we saw from Obari not too long ago, or maybe it was Sugabayashi, I can't recall, but um, he basically said that instead of seeing himself as somebody going to the US, he wants to be somebody that expands New Japan into other countries that are not like, you know, um, where wrestling's not part of the fabric of their uh, pop culture. And he's like, I want to go to Africa, I want to go to the Middle East, I want to go to India. And I was like, huh, that is, those are very interesting remarks. And maybe that would be a reason why, you know, just from an optic standpoint, you get rid of the U.S. branding or the U.K. branding, and then you make it intercontinental. It's something that's more presentable to other countries around the world, you know? Yeah, I think that does make a ton of sense, yeah, with the, with the marketing. And if, yeah, we refer those comments, yeah, the foreign to, Go more into other countries in in Asia and um, and other unreached kind of areas that don't really have a big wrestling promotion. So yeah, having an IC title makes a ton of sense if you're going to kind of pull out the US and you still have the strong brand, you have a strong title. So I think it makes a ton of sense. Yeah, if they do this though, I would want them to actually get a championship level um, plate for the IC belt because the last plates that they were using were basically um, really cheap knockoff uh, replicas of the original belt that was destroyed by Naito. Mm-hmm. And it, it never like the, the one that you held Jeremy, the one that um, Suzuki you held, had at, uh, that Suzuki had it's those weren't raised plates. Those were like replica level. And I hated that they had, even when they were like, and this is just me being a belt nerd, but I hated when they're, holding the double gold and you could see how much better the IWGP title looked sitting next to the intercontinental title. Yeah. 
See, Other people don't care about it as much as I do, but like the original IC title was beautiful. Like, but it, that's because it had raised plates. Well, yeah, hopefully they they invest and you know bring out an IC title that looks. I mean, who knows? Maybe they'll do a whole new design. But if they're even doing it, I mean, yeah. I don't know if they're actually gonna do this. You know, maybe, but it does feel like why continue to talk about it? Why have it be part of the conversation if you're not planning to actually go that way? Right. And Obari has like commented on stuff on Twitter. Gideon Gray has said stuff. So, yeah, clearly it seems like there's something happening there. So I think, yeah, I think it's going to come back. But something else we forgot to mention, too, um, in the preview with the Zach Suji match and we uh, mentioned it with earlier was Zach versus Will and Zach challenging Will for that title. Um, and so is it kind of a foregone conclusion that Will's going to win? So you do Will Zach, or is it some kind of upset and you do Suji Zach and Will faces somebody else at, at um, Royal Quest? Well, I, I feel like you need to do Will Zach at Royal Quest title or no title. Yeah. Because to me, that's the send off. For both guys um i'm not saying zach's leaving the company although you never know it seems like he's getting courted by tony khan <laughs> as well but um in terms of them being like mainstay guys in rep pro and all that and in the uk it feels like one final big match between the two of them uh you know and that's gonna be at the copper box yeah so yeah. i think they're doing that regardless of the title situation um but yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe Will retains and is defending there. Maybe not. I don't know. Yeah. So next question here, uh, Wiz Factor says, "What would be a reasonable ceiling for Ray Oiwa in Pro Wrestling Noah? Could we see a young line on excursion become GHC Heavyweight Champion? Can we expect Yuto Nakashima to leave on excursion soon? Is he ready for it? And where should he go?" I don't know. I don't really know because I'm not watching Noah like that. I couldn't tell you what the ceiling for him is. I mean, I, I would say this, if they put their GHC title on him as a young lion on excursion, that's the biggest hoeing of all, <laughs> which is already like pretty. I mean, at this point, what it looks like, it looks like the only reason that they even brought, uh, um, Kiyomiya. Kiyomiya into the G1 was to solidify a <laughs> an excursion spot for Oiwa on the way out, which right. is like, all is just, that what this all was about? It's just a storyline to have, yeah, Kiyomiya be uh, Oiwa's mentor or whatever. Which, that's that's hoish as it is already. So if you're going to turn around and put the top strap on this guy, like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> But, um, you know, I don't even know. I don't know what belts they have. I think they have, like, a, a United National title. Like, it's the NWA circa 1984. <laughs> so, I, I don't know. Maybe that. Maybe not. We've seen we've seen guys on excursion win, you know, secondary titles uh, when it was warranted. So, who knows? Yeah, I'm not sure. Again, not really a big follower of Prussing Noah. So, I'm not sure, like, what they're, what's the booking, what's going on over there right now. Uh, but yeah, I would kind of find it kind of surprising for him to win a title. I mean, also you mentioned that, that this happened before, but I don't know. I feel like a lot of it's just going to be him kind of learning from Kiyomiya. Who knows? Maybe him and Kiyomiya can win the tag titles. Uh, that seems that seems like something that's very possible. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm looking at uh, the titles they have currently. It's just it's the heavyweight, the national, and then they have the junior and the junior tag, and then the GHC tag. So, yeah, I, I think those two guys winning the tag team titles seems very reasonable and, and likely. Yeah, uh, who who is the GHC champion right now? I don't even know. It's Jake Lee. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and as far as Yuto Nakashima, um, I mean, he did start around the same time as Oiwa, so yeah, maybe they will be getting ready to send him off soon. Uh, but I'm not sure where he should go. I have no idea. I mean, he he did it, honestly. He started before Oiwa and Fujita, but he, That's he right, was yeah. sidelined with an but, injury for so long. He yeah. kind of got bypassed by them. Yeah. So I I don't know when whenever they feel like he's ready. I I don't feel like he's ready personally like right now and they also kind of need uh, apparently they've got a lot of guys in the dojo but he's the only real active domestic lion in the no gay dojo that's currently uh you know on these tours they probably need to pump out a lion or two that when they're ready to make their debut before he could even think about going on excursion honestly that's true yeah um, and also, there, there are plenty of options for him to go on excursion. Where I mean, it, it seems like uh, it seems like they're sending guys to. I mean, you know, sending uh, Oiwa to Noah was very kind of crazy, and then they sent um, you know Fujita. He's on. He's off in Australia right now. Who knows how long that that's going to be for? Mm-hmm. Uh, these are highly unique. Um, excursion landing spots. I don't know. I mean, if you wanted to go the more traditional route, they could send them to Mexico. They could send them to the UK, send them to the US, and you know, maybe he would work for Impact. Tony Khan, maybe Impact. Um, but he's a big boy. Maybe you want to send him to like, if, if we're going to do this whole domestic thing, maybe they send him to like Big Japan. Oh, yeah. That could be cool. Get him in there with Sakamoto. Yeah, get him in there with some big boys, some Okabayashi and guys like that. Have him have some fucking wars. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know. Uh, next question here. Let's question 7252. Is it surprising to see Okada and Leo Rush are teaming up in the main event in Corken Hall on September 30th? I guess from a kayfabe perspective, yes. But, you know, Leo Rush said he was chaos know, for life. Yes, for life, so maybe not. <laughs> uh, Stolen Tombstone says, if Naito beats Sonata at Wrestle Kingdom for the World Championship, who beats Naito and why? I don't know. That's too far ahead. I, I appreciate the question, but I'm not there yet. <laughs> I mean, I think I think in a perfect world, you have all the money in the world to secure Will Ospreay, and you do Will Ospreay winning the world title from Naito. I, I think that is something that you know, I guess we're doing a lot of will talk here, but like he should have already been the world champion period. You know, this, this entire prolonged period where you've got Sonata as your world champion. Meanwhile, will Osprey's occup- occupying the space at the exact same time, not getting title shots. It just seems fucking weird, you know, and not winning the G one. Um, I don't know, man. It, it's, kind of in a way it, it sort of devalues the status as champion. When you have a guy that everyone looks at, nobody thinks 
even if you like him as a champion, even if you're a fan of his, you kind of know like he's not on the level of these other guys that probably should be representing the company. And you know, there there is the whole discourse like, oh, New Japan's on a downslide, downtrend, blah blah blah. Well, you know, one of the things that helps that is having your top guys be the top guys. And right now, Will's not the top guy, and now he's on his way out. And in the past, when people have left the company, that obviously has always opened up opportunity for other people to step into the roles and it creates a power dynamic, power change in a vacuum. But one thing that's different was like, all right, you know, AJ Styles left and we had Kenny Omega waiting in the wings to fill that void. And he became one of the top wrestlers in the world. And then Kenny left and you had Will Ospreay waiting in the wings to fill that void. And right now, as as many top-notch, talented wrestlers there are in New Japan Pro Wrestling, there is not another Will Ospreay waiting in the wings for when he walks out that company. And yeah. that is one of the damning things that's going on right now. You know, maybe Suji could be that guy, but, like, realistically, there's nobody that's like Will or Kenny or AJ waiting to step into that position. It's It's, it's just a big void. Yeah, and I, I know Will is trying to you know train up you know young Callum Newman, but also he's not going to be nowhere you know near ready for that kind of spot when Will leaves. Uh, so yeah, there's definitely yeah there's that missing kind of like you mentioned that that kind of aid that Fergal AJ Kenny kind of guy. It doesn't have to be. I'm not saying it has to be a bull club leader type guy or whatever, but like you know, one of the things that New Japan's always known for is being the best professional wrestling product that's out there where the best guys wrestle. And then you've got someone who is amongst the very, very top guys in the world. And he, he's gone. And, you know, maybe if Jay was still here, I would be like, Jay's going to step into that role, but Jay's gone and Abushi's gone. And maybe he's a shell of himself. I don't know. And, you know, it's not 2016, it's 2023. And a lot of the, the other guys on the roster have aged or injured or, you know, whatever. And who is that person who is going to take up the mantle of Will Ospreay to say, I am the best wrestler in the world. And aside from the guys who are already at that level, like Okada and Ishii, I just don't see anybody that has shown us that they're there. Not even the top prospects, not even Gabe Kidd, not even Yota Suji and stuff like that. Like someone really has to step up here because this company is about to lose the best wrestler in the world. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It stinks, but I think it also, it kind of forces new Japan to, you know, make some, you know, some moves and some decisions and to heat some people up. And I think it's always interesting when you have these top guys leaving, uh, cause it, it kind of, yeah, it forces new Japan to, to reload. So a lot of guys, mm-hmm. like you mentioned, they're going to have to, you know, put their big boy pants on, step their game up. And there's a huge hole that needs to be filled that, any of these young guys that they want it there, it's, it's up for grabs. Yeah. Uh, next question here um, says, while looking f- uh, forward to seeing Oleg versus Zach that brought to mind other fun possibilities, who would you like to see him wrestle in the near future? Where does he go on excursion? If he somehow got a singles match at like forbidden door, who does he ideally wrestle? Oh, those are great questions. I, I don't know. Um, I think he moves pretty well in in a amateur style sense, and he does a few things pretty good, but he's still so green. It's so early. 
Mm-hmm. And it, like I mentioned earlier, like he planted himself on his fucking head. Like, <laughs> um, I probably want to send him to to Rep Pro, like the UK, like get some more technical wrestling. I'd want to send him to Memphis to work for Jerry Lawler in 1999 <laughs> if I could. I don't know. <laughs> I I don't know yet. It's it's too early. Um, I just think it's too early for him. I I don't think he's ready. Yeah, I don't think that he would get a singles match at Forbidden Door. No. I mean. <laughs> Guys like Naito can't even get a singles match at Forbidden Door. Right. Uh, but as far as who Oleg should wrestle, I mean, give, I don't Brock. know. <laughs> we said Brock. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think like him and Chingo would be fun and, you know, do a, a seven match series, put him against like big never guys, him and Ishii. Mm-hmm. Uh, do like him and um, Okan, him and Makabe, him and Kojima, like do like all these like big heavy hitter guys. Angle. <laughs> uh, having him come out of retirement Yeah <laughs> uh, Last uh, question here From the Dark Soldier it Says a bit of a, a tinfoil theory But did NJPW start A women's division just so that they can Say they have a women's division It just it feels like the entire time That they've started it they've had no real Game plan they have no women Sign they now have two women's Titles and the champions aren't even from the company they're infrequently on the show. No real storylines have been done with them. No real advertisement. Just all hollow. Well, you know, I think this is one of those things where it's like plans change. Um, we had a very informative uh, interview with Rocky Romero where we broached some of these subjects. And if you didn't catch that, that's on episode 300. It'd probably be worth your while to go and check that out. But, you know, we do recall earlier in the year that uh, the president of Bushi Road had mentioned that they wanted to have more crossover and do some new fresh ideas. And um, it was pretty much, you know, confirmed in the media that the idea of introducing an IWGP women's title, what came from Bushi road management, uh, as you can see, I don't think Gatos had little to almost any real engagement with promoting the women or being involved with booking them. It's sort of just like a side deal with Bushi road and, and stardom. And I think that, there were certain ideas and plans for what new Japan strong was going to look like, what the deal with Mercedes Monet was going to look like, where where stardom was going to be in in, in the mix of all this. And I don't think it's all played out the way they projected it, you know, period. There's a lot of things that they said were going to happen that didn't happen. Um, And that's about it. You know, Uh, I know that I've made some uh, joking comments about the women wrestling in new japan and that's just you know it's kind of a bit because obviously new japan traditionally hasn't had a lot of women's uh wrestling but i i do kind of agree with you i i don't think it's a honestly i was on the opposite side of the tinfoil theory like when this all first popped off i was concerned that they were going to like kind of cannibalize their joshi um division and sort of swallow them up and you know, kind of incorporate them into New Japan as a whole. And, and who knows, maybe that could still happen down the line. That was my major concern. But I do think regardless, it, it's pretty clear that whatever plans they did or didn't have, it hasn't really come to fruition and hasn't been, hasn't panned out the way that I think anybody involved wanted it to. Yeah, it's definitely been a very kind of interesting thing to, to see kind of play out throughout the year. And with the creation of both the IWGP women's title and the strong 
title. Um, it definitely seems, I feel like strong, there's a lot of things happening with strong that are changing and behind the scenes. And also, like you mentioned the interview with Rocky, he's kind of talked about that. And obviously Rocky would love it to go back to like a weekly TV uh, style format, but we don't even know if that's what new Japan wants. And so I just think there's a lot of things up in the air with strong right now. They're just, they're just trying to figure out. And I think mainly the women's titles brought in because they were going to be running more bigger shows in the U.S. And they know in the U.S. market that people want to see women wrestling on, on U.S. shows. So I think that was going to be their way to get more women on the sh- on the show initially. Um, but yeah, things have panned out. And now both titles are on two stardom women, both in Japan, um, and haven't been on a, U- a U.S. show in a while. One positive, I did see that New Japan recently uploaded some of the excursion matches that Hiromu Takahashi has had in various different companies onto the website, as well as uh, several of the IWGP and strong women's title uh, defenses that have taken place in stardom. Those have been made available on New Japan World as well, which is really cool. Um, but yeah, uh, before we move on to recommend a match of the week, I'm surprised there's no uh, no fight talk this week. Did you see the big uh, um, uh, Grasso-Shevchenko fight? No. Oh, you didn't watch it? No. Oh, man. That fight was great. You should check that out. That was like one of the better women's title matches in, in the company's history. And it was available uh, for free. It was a fight night. Okay. ESPN Plus. Yeah, but, I didn't realize that there was like a, a big fight this weekend. Yeah, it wasn't. It, it was a title fight, but it wasn't even on pay-per-view. It was on, you know, one of their fight nights. Really, really good. Um, I, I thought Hawaiian Punch BV or somebody was going <laughs> to, you know. Um but the fight was very, 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 very close. Um, I think a lot of people expected Shevchenko to, you know, get the, the win back and, and re- regain her lost title. Um, and the fight went to a controversial um, split decision draw. And one of the, the big questions was uh, one judge gave it 48-47 to Shevchenko. One f- judge gave it 48-47 to Grosso. And then uh, another judge was 47-47 for the draw, which caused the split draw. Um, but his final judgment, he gave a 10-8 round in the fifth round to uh, Grosso. And had he given a 10-9 round, it would have uh, swung the fight in favor of Shevchenko, and she would have won the title. I watched the fight. I thought it was very, very, very close, and I was already spoiled. I knew what the outcome was, so I, I watched with a very diligent eye and kind of like judged it. And I, I didn't give round five a ten-eight score, but I actually gave a ten-eight score to rounds two and round three. Mm. Um, the fight was very, very back and forth, and I think one thing I wanted to bring up before we move on is. Um, for people that are fans of MMA, I think there's this, and it, I hear Dave do it all the time too. Like there's a huge misconception and misunderstanding of what a 10, eight round under the, the must system is in MMA, you know, because the, the 10 point must system is a, a system that was adopted from boxing judging and applied to MMA, uh, when they formed the unified rules many, many, many years ago. But about seven years ago, they had too many issues with the judging, so they revised the MMA judging criteria. And it's like 
The judges don't seem to go by it. Most of the analysts don't seem to go by it. Like, I don't think anybody actually knows what the fucking rules are, even though they're like spelled out in plain English. So like when you're judging around, there are basically three criterias that matter the most. And it basically comes down to damage, duration, and, um, oh man, what's the other one? It matters how much damage you do. It matters how much control you have for how long. And then it matters about um, like domination. Or maybe that's not what it is. But basically what the rules say is that if somebody is in, in a round and they barely edge out the other person, that would be criteria for like a 10-9. But if you're in a round and somebody dominates the other person, in any criteria, whether that's they almost finish them, they almost submit them, they are in control for a majority of the time, whatever that might be, then a 10-8 should be considered. And it says like if they meet the criteria in several of those categories, so it's like not only are they controlling most of the round, but they also hurt them really bad and they almost stop them, then that's when it's like a 10-8 has to be applied. And the old thinking was like, the only way to get a 10-8 was you had to damn near kill the person. <laughs> like that's what that's what people think when they think a 10-8 should be applied. They think like a round that's really close and a round that's not very close, those are both 10-9 and that's not the case. And so there's a lot of controversy um, about the, the fifth round of that fight. And granted, I didn't give... Grasso a 10-8 round, but she almost choked out um, Shevchenko twice in the last two minutes of that round. And a 10-8 is probably warranted. But um, I had Grasso up 48-47. I thought she won the fight. Very, very close fight. If you guys haven't seen it, highly recommend it. I would say go out of your way and uh, definitely check that one out. Nice. Y'all have to catch up on that. Check that, check that out. Well, let's uh, close off here with a recommended match of the week. Um, so last week for the recommended, you recommended uh, Vader versus Ricky Choshu from August 19th, 1990. Uh, did check this match out today. Uh, really fun uh, matchup to watch uh, here. And uh, one um, thing that you uh, you talked to me as I was getting ready to watch the match, just come with some of the history other match, so uh, like you told me, this was in Sumo Hall. Um, Vader had been the champ for a year, took the title from Chochi originally, so this was a big rematch, and this came after uh, Vader's eyeball had popped out of his match with um, Stan Hansen earlier in the year, um, which ended up playing a, a big role in this match. Um, so big rematch here. Um, at the beginning of the match, both guys are kind of feeling each other out, trying to, you know, Get each other in the corner, hit us, hit some strikes. Um, Vader ultimately gets control. He's doing this big kind of ground and pound on Choshu. He goes for Choshu's scorpion death lock. Big kind of ooze and off from the crowd when he did that. Um, and then from there, Choshu hits a, a series of punches to the, the injured eye. Mm-hmm. And that totally throws Vader off his game. He, he's selling the eye. He uh, he takes the mask off and he's, you know, trying to, you know, get some, you know, Water or whatever, he's trying to get some feeling back in the eye, trying to see again, and he's selling the eye. Uh, but then eventually he takes back control, hits a big lariat, um, and then Vader gets back on control. He's pummeling uh, Choshu, hits a big body slam, uh, big body splash for a near fall. 
uh, another lariat. But then uh, Choshu comes back. Vader's going to the top to do a big splash, but Choshu cuts him off with a big superplex from the top rope. Big pop there from the crowd. Uh, Choshu's on fire here. He's hitting drop kicks, hits um, some lariats. He locks in the Scorpion uh, death lock, uh, but Vader escapes and he's pissed. Like, <laughs> 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 look, look, I can't believe this guy got me in the hole and I almost like. Was close to tapping out. He was mad. He he got back in the ring. He was just beating the crap out of Choshu. Hits him with a big stinger splash in the corner. He's just jabbing uh, the crap out of uh, Choshu. But then Choshu gets a, a strike into the eye again, and then just hits him with these series of lariats. Three big lariats to the front. One from behind. It's a sliding lariat, and he beats Vader. Yeah. Um. I really, really like this match. I'm not going to sit here and say like, oh, this is the greatest, you know, match you've ever seen, you know, but I just like a match where it's like, all right, we're going to work a body part. What body part we're going to work? The The eye. eye. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to punch you in the eye as hard as I can. What are you going to do in return? Because we're going to do double body part match. I think I'm going to work your eye. Okay. (laughs) So I'm going to hit you in your eye as hard as I can. You can hit me in my eye as hard as you can. He's like, yeah, I think that's the story of the match. We're just going to punch each other in the eye. It was great. And um, I really liked, like, bro, that when you say he was ground and pounding him, he really was, like, ground yeah. and pounding him. Yeah, but he was getting, is, like, full mount and, like. <laughs> bro, it's 1990. This is before MMA even really actually exists in the States in any way. And he's fucking ground and pounding this dude. Like, he's Mark Coleman in 1996. It's crazy. Yeah. Um. And the other thing, I, the the match is like very violent. They they're not holding back. They they hit each other really really hard. Especially Vader. Vader is so stiff in this in this match. And then um, the crowd, like it's thirteen minutes, not super long. It's not the greatest IWGP title match, but they're in Sumo Hall and it's almost packed out. And the people just believe in Ricky Choshu. And every time he mounts a comeback, the crowd is just fucking on fire. Like it's a really uh, electric crowd, and like it, it's a really fun match, and they they just hit each other really hard. It's on daily motion. If you haven't seen it, I'd recommend it. I'm probably like still close to four stars, even for the time period. Yeah, I would go. Yeah, about four stars for that time period. Yeah, it was a really fun matchup, and Vader came out with the the, the, the Mastodon entrance with the smoke and stuff like that. And it's like, man, how did like WWE blow it with that guy? Bro, I didn't want to say that, but that's true. When I was watching it, I had the same thought. Like, it, bro, the Vader formula was so fucking simple. You brought him in, you had him fuck up your top baby face, you had him go on a on a long, like dominant run, and then you set up that same baby face to come back and beat him and regain the glory and and make lots of money. And it worked. Every single promoter in the world made so much money with Vader doing this. Like. They did it in WCW. They did it in New Japan. They did it in UWFI. They did it in Mexico with Kinect. They did it in Austria with Otto Vons. The only person who couldn't figure this shit out was Vince McMahon and Bra- or and and Shawn Michaels. They didn't know what to, what the fuck to do with Vader. Like they're like, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna do the opposite of what has worked everywhere else. We're gonna have Vader lose his first big match. <laughs> We're going to have Vader team of gold us. We're going to have the monster chase for the title. <laughs> oh, man. 
Oh man, yeah, it is so weird that they couldn't figure the shit out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so then, uh, for excursion match of the week, I recommended Sonata versus Jake Something from Impact Emergence from August twenty seventh of this year. I appreciate you giving this giving me this match from the the aspect that it was freely available, easily to watch on <laughs> New Japan World. <laughs> That's about the best thing about this match that I could probably point to is just it's, it was easy to access. No, the match was fine. Um, I thought that uh, they were somewhere in Canada for their pay-per-view and it, whatever venue they were in, it was pretty fucking cool. But um, Jake, something's good. He's he, he's, a, he's a good hand. I think there is something there. But with him and Sonata, I mean, this was just a... Uh, you know, I don't even know. This was just a, a, a really generic, basic <laughs> gentleman's level three. Yeah, this was a gentleman's three. There wasn't very much here at all. Like this was Sonata phoning it in. The crowd wasn't into Sonata either. Like, you know, he he just hadn't. He he did come out in special Muda inspired gear. I think it was gear that Muda had actually given to him, um, which was a little different. That was cool uh, for his entrance attire. But, you know, a Jake something, even though I think he's got a great look and he's a great talent, he doesn't exactly scream like top-notch talent in Impact. It's not like, it, maybe if they put Moose here, you know, maybe Moose or Sammy Callahan or someone of that stature, I don't know, should have been the guy jobbing to the world champion in a non-title match. I don't know, but uh, it was fine. Like, But this was nothing that I would ever watch again. I don't. I barely remember the match crowd wasn't that into it had its moments it was fine mm. so so not not making the ballot <laughs> no it's not gonna make and this was like much lower than most of sonata's g1 wow yeah i mean i don't know i didn't even look what anyone else thought like here i'll look at real quick oh and while i'm looking for this i just remembered duration damage and dominance those are the three mm. d's yeah that you look for when it comes to judging, uh, you know, whether a mat, whether a round should be ten eight in MMA. But uh, that was Slam Anniversary, right? Uh, that was Emergence. Oh, Emergence. Yeah. Okay. Impact. Emergence twenty twenty three. Let's go to the old cage match. And it looks like this match was given a 7.14. So that's like, like three like, and a half. It's like three and a half. That's about right. Yeah. A nice little match. All right. But it, but it was basic. I mean, we're talking a real basic match. Gotcha. Well, and there was, a bot- there was a weird botch at the end. <laughs> well, I got a, a much better match for you this week. Uh, okay. So I got the recommended match of the week. We're going back to 2009 NJPW Circuit 2009 New Japan Soul Night One. The IWGP Junior Tag Team Titles on the line. The Motor City Machine Guns, Alex Shelley and Chris Sabin defend the titles against Apollo 55, Prince Devitt, and Risuke Taguchi. Yeah, this was an incredible lauded event. I, I've much I've wanted to go back and watch NJPW Circuit 2009 New Japan Soul Night One. I cannot wait for the lore and the <laughs> loftiness that is 
Circuit 2009 New Japan Soul Night one. Yeah, and uh, I think it's like a, it's like a nine something on Cage Match. Uh, I, no, I'm I'm just playing about the the tour, but yeah, the the this match is um, I I think the Mercy Machine Guns and Apollo 55 had a couple um really really good matches. Yeah, in New this Japan. was their their best one according to Cage Match. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to checking that out. And then, um, like I mentioned earlier, the excursion match of the week is uh, this past weekend's um, match between Marafuji and Will Ospreay from Marafuji's 25th anniversary show in Noah from Cork and Hall. Nice. Well, that's going to wrap things up here for us this week. Next week, we'll be back to review Destruction in Kobe and cover all the latest news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. So if you enjoyed today's show, please consider making a donation. Visit socialsuplex.com slash donate and click on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong style logo. Make sure to connect with us on social media. On Twitter, the show is at KI Strong Style. You can follow me at Jeremy L. Donovan. Follow the network at Social Suplex. On Facebook, facebook.com slash social suplex. Also, the Wrestling Squared Circle Facebook group. On Instagram, we are at social suplex. On Reddit, I am the pro black guy just keeping it strong style. You can email me, Jeremy, at social suplex.com. And don't forget to check out all the other shows that we have here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. One Nation Radio, hosted by Rich Latta and James Boyd, and All Things Elite with Floyd Johnson Jr. and Austin Summerwitz. Also, we've got a ton of great shows on the archive of that feed. A lot of great stuff from the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show. We have some interviews with uh, Darby Allen. Lots of great stuff uh, in the archive of the network. So subscribe and check out some of the content uh, from back in the day. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and review. And we'll catch you next week on Keeping a Strong Style, the ace of podcasts. It's your bond. Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We'll see you next time.